Well, hello everyone. Um, it's time for another wonderful episode of the greatest sermon that's ever been preached by the greatest preacher who ever lived. So if you're a regular um, uh, looker in on these, pod uh, these podcasts, then please enjoy another episode of this magnificent sermon in Matthew. If you're a visitor or um, a one-time one visitor, great, fantastic to have you with us. And um, we are looking at one of the books in the Bible which describes the life of Jesus. It was by one of his friends and followers, Matthew. We're looking at Matthew chapter 6 and verses 19 to 24. And I'm going to read those to you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, we've been looking at the various uh, disciplines of the Christian life, prayer, fasting, and um, giving away our money. And with the whole context of those things has been God-orientated. In, in other words, doing those things for God's pleasure, with a view to God, not to get approval from other people. And now we've got a slightly different twist, but a very similar thing. We're now looking on living our lives with a heavenly perspective. In other words, um, a perspective where we're not just living for this world, but for the world that is to come after death. And it seems to me there are three sections in this, uh, this passage. There's, the first section is about treasure, the things that we delight in, the things that we are passionate about, the things we get excited and enthralled by. And then um, there's a section on vision, which you could talk about in terms of your worldview, your view of the world, the way you live in the world, the way you think, what, the, what you think life's all about. And then we can think about service. So let's look at those three sections one by one and see what God will say to us. Let's just remind you again of the, the first section. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, I've got several different sort of questions about this, this section, which um, may be what your, what your reactions that you've got to this, this scripture. The first thing is, is do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Now, one of the caricatures of the Christian life is that God's a killjoy. He's out to spoil our fun. And it's all about don't doing stuff, especially the things we like most. And that is such a corruption of the Christian message. I hope I'm going to make that clear to you. But this is exactly where I was as a student. When I went to university, I'd been brought up in a sort of moral, religious home. And I went up to university very much with this, this uh, mindset. God's a killjoy. 
Um, he's out to spoil my fun. I'm going to cut loose from my moral upbringing and I'm going to have a great time. I'm going to party. I'm going to make a name for myself on the sporting fields um, of um, university. So there I was. But, but God had other plans, mercifully, wonderfully. Uh, God put me alongside some Christians who befriended me, invited me along to hear a, a speaker um, who was an ex-England cricketer. He t- explained the Christian message that God loves you, that he wants the best for your life. And he, went, he loves you so much that he sent Jesus, his precious son, to die on a cross for you, to suffer, to pay the penalty for your sin. And I realized straight away, it just came to me in a flash, in a moment, this is what I want to live for. This is what life's really all about. And I made that choice then uh, to follow Jesus. And I've never regretted it ever since. So this is not just a negative thing in the sense of do not do this. This is a negative thing in the sense of when you stop doing things that are not helpful, you make room for much better things. This is the whole tone of this. You see, there's, a, there's, a, there's an expression in this. Um, you could say, um, you could read this scripture a bit like this. Do not lay up treasure for yourselves on, in, on earth. Do not lay up, do not lay up to treasures for yourself. Don't please yourself. And lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. But you could say it like this. Don't lay up treasures for yourself on earth. But lay up for your treasures in heaven, the most wonderful offer in all the world. And that's, what I think, the context of this. I think this is the God's heart in this. He doesn't want us to do things. He wants to cut things out of our lives to make room for other things. Let me try and explain that with a few couple of pictures. It reminds me of a little child. Say you give a child a nice, shiny, silver 5p piece, and he puts it in his grubby, sweaty little hand, and he clasps it tight and he won't let go. It's, it's mine. It's mine. I'm never going to give it up. And then you offer that same child a huge wad of banknotes, 50s, 20s, a whole mass of money. And you say, just open your hand. Let me have the 5p back and you can have this lot. And the child in his ignorance and his foolishness says, no, no, I'm not giving it up. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. And it's like that with us, isn't it? We hang on to the pleasures of this world, the petty things that excite us and refuse God's wonderful offer of magnificent joys and treasures. Let me give you another example. Imagine you're a gardener and you've got a flower bed and you've got some beautiful plants you're going to put in. Um, And the, the flower bed's full of weeds. So what do you do? Well, you don't just try and jam the, 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 the plants in. You've got to take the weeds out first. Now, weeding is a hard business. It's an annoying business. It's a time-consuming, dirty business. But you have to do it to make room for the plants. And if you want a beautiful flower bed, you've got to go through that process, digging out what is you don't want there, putting in the beautiful things of life. So this is the context of this verse. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, but lay up treasures in, on earth, but lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. Perhaps your reaction, though, is different. You, perhaps you're going to say, well, I'm not laying up anything for the future. I'm just living for the present. I'm having enough struggle keeping going in the everything, everyday things of life. 
surviving COVID, lockdown, all sorts of privations, all sorts of um, difficulties in my life. I'm just living for today. But actually, that's not quite true, is it? Because everything we do today has a consequence. It's like sowing and reaping. You're always sowing something which will have consequences for the future. Listen to this quote, um, which I think is very true. Sow a thought and you reap an action. Sow an act and you reap a habit. Sow a habit and you reap a character. Sow a character and you reap a destiny. We are all laying up treasures for something. Everything we do and everything we don't do has a consequence. It has a future consequence. It has a, a laid up treasure for us in the end. So this is something we've all got to engage with. So another question is, what does it mean then to lay up treasures? It's a strange phrase, isn't it? If you looked at the exact um, Greek words, you would translate it slightly more literally, although rather strangely. Do not treasure for yourself treasures on earth, but treasure for yourself treasures in heaven. You see, the, see, the two words lay up and treasure are the same in Greek. So Jesus is saying, basically, uh, don't get inordinately, passionately excited by the things of this world. Don't treasure things too much. Don't put too much um, pleasure and commitment to the things of this world because there's a heaven coming and there are marvellous treasures awaiting you. And then Jesus gives three, three, at least three reasons. I'll give you two reasons. I'll break it down into two reasons. He says the reasons for not laying up for yourselves treasures on earth are because moth and rust destroy it and thieves break in and rip it off, steal it from you. So there's two, two immediate obvious reasons Jesus gives for not laying up treasures on earth. First is everything you lay up for yourself here on earth is transient. It's not going to last. Many of the things we enjoy in life are like that. They seems to be decay, seems to be uh, built into them. You look at a sunset and even as you're uh, marveling at the beauty and the, the colour, and the, uh, it, it, it fades before your eyes. It's gone before you can grasp hold of it. And it's like that with every pleasure in life, in this world. Everything that we treasure, we're not going to be able to take these things with us. And then they're also so vulnerable, aren't we? We've discovered that in the last few months with the COVID crisis, with the economic collapse, uh, with all sorts of things suddenly changing our whole way of life. Um, we're, we're so vulnerable. Disease can strike at any moment. The truth is we don't know the day of our departure. I've been a doctor for most of my life and I've seen the stunning effects of, of illness sometimes just cutting off someone in their prime, suddenly struck down without any warning. So what about these treasures in heaven, though? Is there any difference in the treasures in heaven? Yes. Yes. The treasures of heaven are imperishable, undefiled and unfading, Peter says. They never fade. Imagine, imagine a pleasure that instead of diminishing with time and fading away, 
and losing its, its delights, imagine a pleasure that escalates with time, that intensifies, that gets greater and greater. I think that's what heaven's like. I think that's what's awaiting those who love Jesus. Let me give you another a quote that um, probably puts this a bit more cleverly than I can. The faint, far-off results of those energies which God's creative rapture implanted in matter when he made the worlds are what we now call physical pleasures. And even thus filtered, they are too much for our present management. What would it be to taste at the fountainhead, that stream of which even these lower reaches prove so intoxicating? Yet that, I believe, is what lies before us. The whole man is to drink joy from the fountain of joy. Absolutely amazing. So how do we lay up treasures for ourselves in heaven? Well, that's what we've been talking about the last few weeks, actually. We've been talking about praying, giving away our money and fasting. All of those things, when we do them in secret to God, we are laying up treasures for ourselves in heaven. Last week, uh, Johnny spoke about fasting and fasting, of course, is an excellent example of what I've been saying earlier. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up yourselves treasures in heaven. Put away earthly pleasure, food in this context, context fast, give up food for a, a time that you may lay hold of better things, better lasting pleasures, the presence of God the enjoyment of God, the glory of God, the rewards that are waiting you for in heaven. And I suppose the Bible would probably particularly stress the fact that giving away money to the poor is a particularly powerful way of laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Listen to this parallel scripture to the one that, that we read in Matthew. It's from Luke. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So that leads us on to our second section, which is this whole question of vision, our worldview, as it were. Um, what do you think life really consists of? What's it all about? What are we trying to achieve in our lives? What's the purpose of it all? What is it that's meant to motivate us and drive us? I would suggest there's at least um, two wrong views of life. One is this, that basically this life is all there is to it. And there's nothing, there's no certainty of anything in heaven. There's no certainty of life with, with it after death. And so... Live for, live for this world. Seize every bit of pleasure you can get in this world um, and make the most of it. Write out your bucket lists and fulfill them. Many people regard retirement, for instance, as heaven on earth. They're trying to maximise their pension, um, retire as early as possible, to live the good life, to try and find heaven on earth. And it's all a very sad delusion, isn't it? Or the other alternative is to think of this whole world as bad, that this 
whole decaying, corrupt world is, is horrible. Let's just get through it as quick as possible, have as least to do with it as possible and get ourselves into heaven as quick as possible. I would suggest that both of those views are seriously flawed. Let me read you another scripture, which I think puts this um, very beautifully. This is Paul speaking to his friend Timothy. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Note a few things from those, um, those verses. First of all, um, God richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So it's perfectly okay to enjoy the good things of life. God has given us many, many good gifts. Let's be thankful for them. Let's enjoy them. But let's keep them in their proper place. Because, as Paul says, the uncertainty of riches. Don't put your hope on that. It's uncertain. It's transient. It's vulnerable. You can't rely on it. And are these rich people to give away all their money and be poor? No, no. They need to use their resources wisely to invest their money and their possessions, their time, and you trade it in for treasures in heaven. So he says, take your, your riches, give to the poor, do good, be rich in good works, be generous and ready to share, thus storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So we come to the last section of this passage. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And here we really come to the crunch, I would say the crunch of the Christian message. All of these all of these um, different three sections basically have an either or, or this or that. Don't lay up for yourself treasures on, in, on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures on heaven. The eye is the lamp of the body. Either let your eye be single and your whole body will be full of light, or let your eye be bad and your whole body will be full of darkness. And here we have, you cannot serve God and money. The words of Jesus are incredibly black and white and clear. There is no compromise. And yet we live like there is a compromise. We hope, we think there must be some way of matching these two things together, of maximising our pleasure, for getting heaven but also to get earth. Listen to C.S. Lewis again. The marriage of heaven and hell, in some sense or other, the attempt to make that marriage is perennial. The attempt is based on the belief that reality never presents us with an absolutely unavoidable either or. That granted skill and patience and above all time enough, some way of embracing both alternatives can always be found. You cannot take all luggage with you on all journeys. On one journey, even your right hand and your right eye may be among the things you'll have to leave behind. If we insist on keeping hell or even earth, we shall not see heaven. If we accept heaven, we shall not be able to retain even the smallest and most intimate souvenirs of hell. Bob Dylan, the um, Nobel Prize winner, uh, wrote a, an interesting song. I can't imitate his growly voice 
But the words, the words of it went like this. You're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. He could have written, it may be money or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Now, this word money does include more than money, but it certainly includes money. It includes possessions. It probably includes the whole way the world system, worldliness, the love of the world. You cannot serve this world and God. Paul's friend Demas was described as being in love with this present world, and he abandoned his faith. This is a terrible warning. So I want to t- finish off by just um, addressing three different groups of people. First of all, you may not be a Christian this morning. Uh, you may be looking in, um, uh, trying to find out what the Christian life's all about, uh, work out whether it's for you. And the challenge comes to you today. Are you in or out? Christianity is radical. You can't just uh, dip your toe in. It's fine to look and search and, and research things and find, but there comes a point where you have to make a radical choice. You're either in or out. You cannot serve God and money. You can't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth and in heaven. You've got to make a choice. And I would urge you, I plead with you this morning. I've given you enough information, I hope, and enough encouragement to realise both the futility of this world and its pleasures and the glories, the wonders of this world that's coming, the world that is to come, the world that awaits you after death. So will you please say something to Jesus this morning? Say, I'm in, Lord. I'm in. I'm yours. I want to follow you. I want to learn what it means to please you. I want to give my life into your hands. Marvellous, wonderful, gracious saviour. But then maybe you're a Christian or you think you're a Christian. Um, But the truth is, if you really honestly look into your heart, you will find that you're trying to live with both these worlds. You're trying to lay up for yourselves treasures on earth and in heaven. You're trying to serve God and money. You're trying to get the best of both worlds. You're limping along between two opinions. You can't do it. I want you to hear these challenging, awesome words of Jesus today. You cannot serve God and money. And I would urge you to not to limp along between two opinions any longer. Come to your senses. Get off the fence. Commit yourself thoroughly to Jesus. Say, I'm in. I'm in. I'm yours, Lord. I'm abandoning everything else to follow you. I'm giving up every right I have in my life. I'm I'm giving up every um, one of my desires. I lay it at your feet, Lord. I want you. I want you more than anything else. You're the most beautiful person in all the world. I've seen enough of you to know that you're the best thing I could possibly have. You're the best friend I could possibly have. I kneel before you. I submit my life to you. I give my life to you. Or then maybe you are a Christian. Maybe you are a Christian. Um, You have made that choice. You have already decided to follow Jesus. I just say to you, keep going. 
keep going more and more, praying, giving your money, giving your resources. Be generous with your time, with your service. Don't look for man's approval. Look for God's approval. Do it for him. Do it for his eye of delight on your life. Do it for his whispers of well done, good and faithful servant. Do it for the smile of God on your life. Don't be like a Christian vampire, please. Don't be like a Christian vampire. Don Carson made this memorable um, phrase. A Christian vampire is someone who just wants Jesus for his blood. Just what he can get out of it. Just something to cleanse his sin and make and forgive him for what he's done wrong. Just a ticket to heaven. You can't do it. It doesn't work. You must take him as he is. Lord, Savior, total potentate glorious God, creator of the world. Take him as your savior. Take him as your Lord. Take him as your passion. Take him as your glorious obsession. And you'll never, never regret it. Father, I thank you for your wonderful, wonderful salvation that you sent your beloved son. You gave up what was most precious to you that you might take us as your inheritance. What a sacrifice. What a trade-in. God, may we reproduce that trade-in in our own lives. May we give up the petty pleasures of this world. Let us leave behind the things that grip us, attract us, us and um, win our affections, and lay hold of you, the wonderful God who loves us more than we can ever imagine. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. <laughs>